You're listening to the free edition of Sweden in Focus from The Local. If you would like to listen to a full-length version of the podcast, as well as an additional midweek episode, please check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade to Membership Plus. Here's this week's free edition. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Sweden in Focus, a podcast made possible by The Local's members. We're talking about Swedish healthcare this week with the help of our guest, journalist Anna Gustafsson from the Dagens Nyheter newspaper. In the first part of the interview, we heard about some of the general strengths and weaknesses of the Swedish system. In this extra episode, Anna will answer questions from readers of The Local on everything from how to access healthcare without a social security number to how Sweden hopes to solve its long-standing maternity care crisis. I'm Paul Amani and asking the questions with me were The Local's Emma Lovegreen, Becky Waterton and Richard Orange. Thank you as always to all members who support our independent journalism. If you're considering joining, we'd love to have you. And we'll add a link to our current offers in the show notes. Now let's listen to the interview. So this is a comment from a reader called Katie, who says, I don't understand why everything is so disconnected that it's hard to find one doctor who sees the whole body or the body as a whole. Um, She says she's dealing with three different medical issues and is frustrated that she doesn't have a single GP who takes ownership of her as a patient. We've had a lot of similar comments from other readers and you have kind of touched on this previously, but could you explain why is it like this in Sweden and are there any plans to change how it works? The short answer is that there is a lack in general practitioners in Sweden and the the general practitioners who are working uh, in primary care have too many patients on their lists. That's one reason. And and the other reason is that historically and up till now, the organization of primary care has been rather rather been around the primary care health centers than around the doctors themselves. So you can be moved between different doctors within the primary health care yeah. center. Yeah. yeah. And are there other plans to change how it works? Mm, yes. Because uh, last year the official board of healthcare formulated this number like a goal for the general practitioners and the primary care to strive for with 1100 patients on on your list at the maximum that's one way to to move forward try to reach an acceptable level for the for the doctors and also good uh, better con- continuity for the patients but if, even if that change is made will patients still be in contact with a ward central or healthcare center rather than a particular doctor. As a patient, if you if you are in a primary care center which is working quite well or rather rather well, you can have the choice if you want to have a, yeah. a personal doctor or not. Okay. Because for for some patients, maybe that's not as important as for others. 
when I interview doctors, a lot of them go back to these um, guidelines, how you should prioritize among patients. And, and a lot of them, they have this in their spine, so to say. Mm. So they're very, they try, they're very, they're working very hard to put the resources in the right direction. We also have a question from, from Maria, who wonders why it seems almost impossible to see a doctor unless you exaggerate your symptoms. It's probably a symptom of, um, of the result of resources in primary care if, if you have this, if you get this sensation that you have to exaggerate so much. If it works, if you are in an area or in a region where it works, if you get in contact with a primary care centre, they should contact you back and then you should be able to speak to a nurse who asks you questions about how you feel. And then she will evaluate your need to come for an appointment. But if you're British, you always sort of think, oh, well, you know, it's nothing really. And then they go, oh, it's nothing. Well, oh, okay, yeah. no appointment then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, okay. Yeah, oh, yes. Okay. In that sense, maybe you have to maybe you have to get a little more Swedish. Because when I'm abroad and I speak in a foreign language, people used to say to me, are you very brutal when you speak? We are more straightforward. Maybe you should be more straightforward with your problems then. If you feel that you have to exaggerate, maybe the Swede, maybe if the, it could be also, it's right, it could be cultural barrier that the Swedish nurse in the other end of the phone doesn't catch the severity. If you say, oh, yes, it's not so bad. So we have an interesting question from uh, Raphael, which we can maybe separate into two parts. So first, we have quite a few diplomats who listen to this podcast, and he asks on their behalf... Why is it so difficult to book a private doctor as a private customer if you are outside of the healthcare system? This is a real headache for foreign diplomats in Sweden, especially those from outside the EU who have no access to the Swedish healthcare system. It's got to do with the organisation of the Swedish healthcare system, which is organised in primary care centres in general. And there are not so many private general practitioners. It depends on where you live. Certainly, if you live in Stockholm or in Malmö, I'm sure you could you could find a, a private doctor if you're prepared to pay for it. Also, if you have a specific problem, there are lots of specialized doctors who take pri private patients as well as patients from the, the regional system. So the reader, Raphael, he adds this, uh, this problem, quote, may also affect tourists or people who are still waiting for their visas or personal numbers, for example. Mm. Uh, a, a personal number of personnummer is like a Swedish so social security number for, for listeners who don't know. Uh, but what rights do people have to access healthcare if they don't have a personnummer? There is a right to get access to healthcare for, for uh, certain problems. Even if you're not here officially, there is a law uh, that gives this right to people. It's not only emergency care, it's also health care that's defined as health care that can't wait, issues that can't wait. But then there is um, interpretation. What, is this actually something that can't wait? But that could be dental care and it can be health care. But then when it's people waiting for the visa or thing you you can have what's called a reserve number and this can be organized when you see the doctor the doctor can organize this at the same time as you have this consultations i remember when i when i moved to sweden i was pregnant but i wasn't i didn't have a personal number until my daughter was about nine months old and i remember they gave mm. me a 
reserve number just for healthcare that was like my birthday and then like a random set of figures afterwards. But it, it wasn't a, a coordination number. No, it's like almost sort of three steps. You've got the Basunda, the coordination number, and then the reserve number. The reserve number is basically just so that healthcare can keep track of yeah, you. Yeah, you can't system. use it for right. anything else. So the next question comes from Monica and it focuses on Sweden's maternity care crisis. She asks, why is it acceptable for women to drive over two hours to give birth? Specifically thinking about Pajala to Gällivare. Um, it used to be possible to give birth in Pajala. The town is growing, the industry has expanded and it is in dire need of new employees. But the infrastructure isn't there to attract people. There's been a centralization, and there is a centralization going on actually. It's been going on for almost 50 years I think. The, the number of hospitals with maternity wards have reduced by 50% in 50 years. And that's due to centralization and um, a development of medicine as well, where you think it's not safe enough to keep these small delivery rooms open because they don't have the facilities of the big hospitals if something goes wrong. This area of healthcare is quite rigid. The development has been that it's, it's very little um, room for alternatives in this area of healthcare. There are very few, few small units for giving birth to children and also small hospitals ha- has been uh, shut down. What happened in Soleftio, maybe you ha- read about the occupation of the hospital of Soleftio, is that when you have a hospital where you can give birth to children, you have to have the the uh, facilities of a big hospital in the sense that of that you have around the hour... Around the clock emergency preparedness. Yeah, that's right. Because if something goes wrong, you, there, there needs to be uh, a surgeon there to, to take out the baby and... Yeah. In, rapidly with a cesarean section. If we compare to Norway, in Norway you have more of these small maternity wards. It's a smaller country with more isolated villages. Their debate goes in the same direction as in Sweden, but centralization is not quite as strong. It's a clash between doctors and midwives, because midwives think if you generalize, it's not unsafe to have um, a delivery service without this all around the hour mm. um, uh, preparation for acute uh, operations. But the doctors reason in the other direction. But in Sweden, I think and I hope we have come to a point because because now there are also doctors saying that we have come to a point that it's not it's not reasonable that we have this situation where women and their partners have to learn how to deliver babies. So, so far to the, for them to travel that people end up having to deliver their babies in their cars. Yes, yeah, you can take a co- crash course in delivering in the in the car. Yeah. Um, so, so doctors are saying that's not safe. Yeah, I hope that we will see some development in this. Um, since one or two years, there is actually a decline in childbirth in Sweden. But in the last... 10, 15 years, Sweden has stands out in the EU when it comes to childbirth. We have a positive growth in, mm. in childbirths, mm. and that's good for society. Do you think there will be a maternity ward in Paella again at some point? No, I'm, I'm getting uncertain about the, the geography, but there is a hospital being built in Kiruna. Yeah. And uh, there is a, this is a very hot issue 
in this planning mm. because there has been before a delivery care in, in Kiruna, uh, but now the pe- people in Kiruna need to go to, to Gällivare mm. in snowstorm. Yeah. The reason why people were are so upset occupying the hospital area in Soleftio for years is because when you take away this uh, delivery facility, it's uh, like a demontation of the hospital. So when a maternity ward is taken away, it can lead to the closure of the full yeah. hospital. Yeah. And you you you've see, you can see that. You can also see that in Kalskoga, which is is in the south of Sweden, but in a small in a small uh, quite small town mm. that the hospital has declined in a way when they took away the delivery mm. facilities there's no answer to this as such the politicians haven't said they're going to reverse this trend and and put maternity wards back in these yes, smaller towns yes they have this new health minister the christ democrat akko ankaberg johansson she and the christ democrats they have said that they want to open reopen small uh, delivery wards out in the country. I haven't seen uh, any names uh, mentioned, mm. but uh, that they she actually said that uh, in the autumn, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So watch this space and we'll see how it, de- how it develops over the next uh, few years. As yeah. This... Yeah, we've got a couple of related questions to that, actually, which the first comes from Petros. And it's quite short and sweet, which is just, why can't they hire more doctors? And the second one, which is similar, is from Alina and says, what causes the lack of medical staff in Sweden? And why does the system need to use so many doctors and nurses from abroad? There is no lack of doctors in Sweden in general, actually. There are a lot of doctors in Sweden. But there is a lack of doctors in some specialties and there is a lack of doctors in general practitioners. Yes, I think it's a problem of organization in the healthcare system, actually. There's always been uh, people, not native Swedes, working in healthcare. When it comes to the development of uh, the population, of of people aging in Sweden, like in in all 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 the Western countries... We have a growing aging population and there are a fewer younger people who have to take care of these people. And this is an equation that's not solved. And for this reason, we are in big need of people working in healthcare, working elderly people's homes in the next uh, decades in um, staffing all the welfare system. So this is a big challenge. Sweden needs to welcome all who wants to to join this challenge, actually. Uh, the Swedish society Swede, uh, has to be better prepared to get healthcare stuff uh, to fit in into this system. And especially now, currently, you have the situation of people com- coming from Ukraine who have a problem to get their legitimation in Swedish healthcare. So there are some bureaucracy problems, too. Yeah. Yeah. So so sort of bottlenecks in getting these qualifications approved. Yeah. And yeah. We've got um, quite a few readers who have asked about dental care. Uh, this question from Jeffrey is pretty representative. So he asks, why isn't dental care included when it is so expensive, especially for older people who inevitably suffer dental issues that impact other aspects of their health? This is also under debate. And some political parties now and then uh, suggest that dental care should be included. But I think the reason why it's not 
is just is the same as the question. Why is it not included when it's so expensive? <laughs> I think it's not included because it's so expensive. Mm. When I say that healthcare has been privatized, this is even more so with dental care. It's a free market, so yeah. to say it's totally yeah. free. It's not like healthcare. So it's up to the dentists how much they charge. Yeah. At the same time, there are subsidies, and the subsidies are not so they're not so big as in within, within healthcare, mm. of course. Uh, yeah, this this is a real problem. I think at the moment the healthcare system is is under under pressure, and uh, there are enormous costs <laughs> coming on. So in that context, it's difficult to see how the dental care also would be included if you don't want to raise the taxes. At the mm. moment, there's very little very little debate in favor of of raising taxes. In the last decades, there's been a a pressure to lower taxes in Sweden that came after there was a big crisis in Sweden in the 90s, which affected uh, the welfare system immensely, mm. where, where there were big cuts in the in the staffing in general in Sweden, in schools, hospitals, elderly people's homes. Then after, when things have improved generally, the debate has been for decreasing lowering taxes not yeah. for not for raising them raising yeah. them we have a question for angie about the high cost protection system she asks how does the free court to health services work it seems to have an expiry date so what happens to payment of for instance consultation fees when the free court expires it's valid for, it go it runs for one year and then it starts all over over again so when you get to i think there are, diff, there are different amounts in different regions but when you reach this level i think it i think it may be 1500 crowns in in stockholm now when you reach this level you get the free cut if you start in january maybe you reach if you have a lot of issues maybe you reach this in june or yeah. i don't know what and then you have a free cut until january mm. and then you have to start all over again paying your yeah. consultation fees until you reach the 1500 mm. crowns exactly so you pay just a maximum of 1500 a year the question that got by far the most likes on our Facebook page um, reflects the frustration people have at not having their medical sense taken seriously and just being told to take some paracetamol and hope for the best. And Christos says, um, asks, does Alvedon cure everything or is the Swedish healthcare system sponsored by Alvedon? <laughs> it's a good question, actually, because uh, we used to say that to our children also. If they say, oh, I'm not well... <laughs> Oh, and you say okay, but I don't. I don't think you seem really ill. Maybe you could take an Alvedon and then you can go to school. I definitely wouldn't say that um, this, the healthcare system is sponsored by Alvedon, <laughs> <laughs> because when you if if you go to the pharmacy, you you can get different paracetamol that's not Alvedon. <laughs> But the doctors always tell you to take Alvedon. They've never said to me, take paracetamol. It's always Alvedon. <laughs> <laughs> it's also impossible to get antibiotics from, from, from a doctor in, uh, in, 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 in Sweden. Yeah, that, but that's good. I, well, from a pub, but this is exactly it's good the thing. It's if you don't need antibiotics. It's all about the population <laughs> as a whole. Where you can have some, a massive festering boil on your neck or something, and mm -hmm. they'll just say, "Well, you know, let your natural, natural body systems fight it out." You know, you can have advanced septicemia. You might have a forty-degree fever for a week, but you know, no, it's not that bad. I know, yeah, well, I I think if you if you do have that, you probably get a 
antibiotics, but this this is uh, <laughs> this is a successful guideline for combating uh, antibiotic the, resistance. Yeah, Ox- and Sweden is very good at that. But I agree; it's been a remarkable change in the principles and in, in handling this. In healthcare, I would say they don't easily give you antibiotics. I know I have also my sister-in-law also complains about this. You, I never get antibiotics anymore. <laughs> when I grew up, you got you easily got antibiotics for a lot of things for a sore throat and for ear aches. And now healthcare is there are more um, restrictions, and this is also associated with the digital doctors, which we haven't talked about, which is a little strange actually. I I would assume that people who have problems to get in touch with Swedish healthcare will use the digital suppliers. In the beginning, when they grew massively, the authorities found that they exaggerated the prescriptions of antibiotics without seeing the patient. And so so now, now there is a, a guideline, for example, when you have a tonsillit, tonsillitis. tonsillitis, that you have to have a sample done. I'm probably with authority side in this question. On antibiotics. Yes. Yeah. Mm. The final question comes from Vicky, who wonders... Why isn't the system more oriented towards prevention? Doctors seem to be not so keen to investigate in advance, she says, especially certain pathologies. Prevention is certainly not cheap, but in the long run saves lives and reduces the treatment's costs, which are definitely higher than those that come with prevention. It's a very good question. I think if that's the impression, I think it's got it's got a lot to do with the, with the lack of general practitioners. But also that in general, there are nurses in Sweden. There is a profession called district nurses. Mm. They work preventionally. Sometimes I think in in smaller areas, these uh, district nurses, they have a better organization for this kind of work. But also there are in in the primary care stations, uh, um, specialized nurses who work preventively with diabetes, for example, with uh, general health Mm. issues and uh, they have special groups for taking care of yourself and for exercising. And there is actually in the Swedish law, healthcare should work preventively. It comes down to the the issue of organisation that you've been talking about then. Organisation and resources probably. Yeah. And there's also, when we come back to this issue of privatisation, that's one consequence of the privatization also that you work less with the with prevention actually mm. You've just been listening to an interview with Anna Gustafsson a journalist with the Dagens Nyheter newspaper Our sound engineer on this podcast is Rhys Edwards I'm Paul Mahoney and we'll be back again on Saturday with a regular episode of the podcast until then take care That's all for this week's free edition of Sweden in Focus. If you'd like to hear a full-length version of the podcast each week, as well as an additional midweek episode with more interviews and analysis, please upgrade to Membership Plus. Make sure to check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade. Sweden in Focus is a podcast by The Local Europe. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. The publisher is James Savage.